You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On today's episode, we break down the 49ers Sin City Shootout, a 37-34 overtime thriller over the Las Vegas Raiders, and it was really a bizarre game. It featured several pivotal plays, reminding us just how much this is a game of inches. The win is their ninth in a row, their longest streak since 1997 under Steve Mariucci. It brings them to 12-4, and with a chance next week with a win and an Eagles loss to take the first seed in the NFC and clinch a first-round bye. How could you have predicted that when they began the season three and four? So how's your blood pressure? I think it's mostly back to normal now, but whew, that was after that game. I think I turned to you and I said, I'm exhausted. Uh, 49ers <laughs> fans, I think, have grown accustomed to beating their opponents by an average of 16 points over the last nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And to come into Las Vegas and have a heavyweight title fight kind of a game against Jarrett Stidham nobody was anticipating this uh maybe Jarrett Stidham was I guess to to have the confidence to do that but yeah I mean as exhausted as I was I can only imagine how exhausting it is to actually be playing in the game that was that was a wild one for sure yeah if you enjoy close games like this and high drama you're a better man than I am. It occurred to me after the game that my favorite kind of football game to watch is a 49ers blowout. My second favorite is a back and forth game between two teams that I don't care about. Yeah, exactly. And, and my third favorite is is a win like this where it's still a win, but oh my gosh, what a what a crazy game. A, a lot of stress. A Raiders fan texted me at the end and said, you can breathe now. And and yeah, that's that's about right. So um, elsewhere around the NFL, before we get into our usual drive by drive and breakdown of everything that happened in this game, there were a lot of noteworthy games around the league. The Giants clinched a playoff spot with Brian Dayball, their first year head coach, with a win over Indy. The Bucks clinched the NFC South, beating the Panthers on the back of three absolute bombs from Tom Brady to Mike Evans, uh, proving that he still has it. Um, the Commanders and the Jets were eliminated from playoff contention. The Vikings got stomped by Green Bay, who has suddenly come alive. And that was especially interesting because Jair Alexander for Green Bay talked a lot of smack about Jefferson before the game. And amazingly, they held him to one catch for 15 yards. Just crazy. But it was kind of polite smack, if you will. After the game, he said something to the effect of, you know, he's still in my top three receivers. But the week one matchup was a fluke, and I'm very confident in myself. So if you can back up that talk, it's not arrogance, it's confidence, right? So um, it's arrogance if you were just spouting your mouth all the time and have nothing to show for it. But yeah, the Vikings certainly were not expecting to get curb stomped. And the 49ers definitely were not expecting to have a close game like this one was. Nick Bosa after the game said, you know, maybe we did underestimate him a little bit, even though that is something that they practice and they preach every single week. Don't take anybody for granted. Sure. So I guess, you know, maybe a a more articulate way of saying it is that they didn't underestimate Stidham and the Raiders, but they couldn't have expected them to do as well as they did. So however you want to say that, uh, this game was a lot closer than anybody was expecting. Yeah. The last thing I'll mention before we get into our storylines and breakdown of the game is that the Eagles did lose again without Jalen Hurts, and his status is kind of up in the air right now. That loss opens the door. You know, they've got one final game against the Giants, and the Giants have said that they're not planning. I mean, they could they could change course, but they've said they're not planning to rest their starters. It's absolutely bonkers, you know, that Green Bay now, who had a 3% chance of making the playoffs, they control their own destiny with a win, and the Eagles could actually <laughs> end up as a wild card team if they lose next week. We could be the number After one. After dominating the NFL the entire <sighs> year. It's crazy. Yeah. Just absolutely wild. Well, let's get into the storylines coming into this game. For the 49ers, there wasn't too much. The big news on the week was that Trey Lance had to have a second surgery on his ankle to kind of, you know, correct some of the the things. Removing some hardware. Yeah, apparently it's fairly common. But more than anything, it just put to rest any quixotic notions of him returning in the playoffs he's definitely not coming back but they're hoping he'll be back uh, for OTAs they think he will be and then for the 49ers obviously just trying to keep that momentum you know could they jump the Vikings and and end up with a second seed at the conclusion of the week and could they win their ninth in a row for the Raiders it was much more interesting (laughs) yeah coming in a lot more intrigue you know 
Chandler Jones and Perryman were out on the defense, a defense that's already struggled. But of course, the the big decision, the biggest headline of the week was their decision to to bench Derek Carr to make sure that he does not play for them the rest of this year so that they can cut or trade him and save all that money in salary cap and to go ahead with Jarrett Stidham in his first career start. Yeah, you could certainly say that was a very surprising move, except that somebody earlier in the week, I don't remember if it was Schefter or somebody, but somebody did report that the Raiders were considering benching him, and sure enough, that's exactly what they did. Uh, definitely an odd decision. You know, they they were not eliminated from playoff contention yet. Obviously, they've had their struggles. Um, they set the NFL record. I believe this is the fifth game where they've had a 10-plus point lead, a double-digit lead in the second half, and they ended up losing that game. So it's been really, uh, really tough sledding for the Raiders this year. A lot of people saying McDaniels is on the hot seat. So again, a surprising move to go with Jarrett Stidham, who has almost no NFL experience whatsoever. He does have a lot of experience in this system under McDaniels. Which which, I think a lot of people, including myself, I forgot. Yeah, and you can certainly see how comfortable he looked all night. You know, we were kind of laughing about it. Like, for Jarrett Stidham, it's like, hey, Jarrett, come in here. You know, we got some great news for you. You're starting this week. That's awesome. Except until you realize that you have to go up against the number one defense in the NFL. You get to play against the 49ers. And then, if that wasn't enough, next week, you get to play the Chiefs. So, obviously, everybody wants to start. Everybody wants to play. If you're in the league, you want to play. Um, but that's, that is a tall order for sure to come up against the 49ers and then the Chiefs. And to his credit, we're going to get into it really thoroughly, but Stidham was just basically lights out the entire game. He had an unbelievable stat line against the 49ers, 23 of 34 for 365 yards. That's a 10.7 yards per attempt, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yep. He had three touchdowns. He did also have two interceptions, which I think a lot of times you're expecting interceptions when you're working with a quarterback who has not had a ton of uh, practice or experience. But both of those interceptions were not like bad decisions or even bad throws. They were both honestly kind of fluky. Yep. Um, so again, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But Stidham was absolutely on fire in this game. He is the second quarterback this year, only the second quarterback this year to throw for three touchdown passes against the 49ers. The other one is Patrick Mahomes. So yep. pretty good company there. Yeah, it's just wild. And for those who looked at this decision to start him and and really questioned McDaniels and said, well, how can you bench Derek Carr? He's a franchise quarterback. Someone pointed out, you know, he's been in the league nine years and he hasn't won a playoff game. So, I mean, you could make some sort of Matthew Stafford comparison and say, well, he just hasn't had the team around him. But I don't think he's earned this sort of untouchable status. And certainly Stidham wasn't too afraid to fill his shoes so let's get right into our drive by drive so the game started with the Raiders getting the ball first um, and all they did (laughs) under Stidham was go on a six play 70 yard touchdown drive I know we felt that Bosa was held on a couple plays throughout that drive but what else is new what else is new it was just kind of methodical and then this uh, game got off to a really terrific start too so so the 49ers defer of course and on the opening kickoff Somebody is lined up offsides. How does that even happen? Yeah, Tay Martin, who is activated for this game, and and just why I don't I don't know. But yeah, not not a great start. It was kind of a, a sign of things to come. And it's, it's crazy because I don't know how old our listening audience is, but way back in the day when we were watching football, the special teams guys got a running start on kickoffs. That was one of the things that they eliminated a few years back for player safety because a majority of the serious injuries and concussions happen on those kickoffs when you have these guys running full speed. So to eliminate that problem, there is no running start allowed. So you literally are standing there for days while the kicker puts the ball on the tee and then goes to kick it. How can you line up offsides? Well, at least he got to hear his name called. That was that was maybe the, the only time today. But um, yeah, Waller caps off that drive with a 24-yard touchdown on play action where Hafunga ended up chasing after him. Some people online were speculating that based off of the coverage look that it actually was Diamador Lenore who should have been falling back into coverage. But either way... You know, it three, didn't look good. He, yeah. he basically came up to stop the run and Waller just ran straight past him. Yep, Stidham 3-for-3 three three on that drive, and the Niners just get hit in the mouth. But fortunately, they did respond. 
when they got the ball you know, for their first drive, they put together an eight-play, 67-yard touchdown drive. Um, Ray Ray had a nice 35 uh, return out to the 35. It was nice to, to finally see some some special teams kicking in. Um, McCaffrey had a few gains, and then he had a 37-yarder down to the Las Vegas one. He ran the ball extremely well. You and know, he basically game. was the offense on that first drive. Yeah. And then on – uh, sort of like uh, it was a, on the two-yard line. Ayuk pushed off a little bit, but there was no flag. Managed to get open into the end zone, and Purdy delivered a dime. So 49ers tie it up 7-7 seven to seven there. Yeah, the defender was looking for an OPI call, but <laughs> you're not ever going to get it on, on the two-yard line when it's within sort of that five-yard range. Nothing egregious. He was whining and looking for a flag, but uh, spoiler alert, the the Raiders were going to be pretty happy with the number of flags called on the 49ers in this one. Yeah, for their second drive, they started with seven minutes left in the first quarter. They got a touchback. It was nice to see Robbie Gold, who had some problems in this game. One problem that he didn't have is he was better about actually mm-hmm. you know, kicking the ball into the end zone on kickoffs. But yeah, they, they go on a 10-play, 74-yard drive. Devontae Adams was wide wide open for a 27 yard gain across the middle where some sort of bust just nobody carried him across the middle and then um, it was interesting that Josh Jacobs the Raiders running back went to the locker room Um, he seemed to be injured but Bolden had a couple nice runs um, to pick up a a first down and then um, Mooney Ward got a DPI and then first and goal on five you know, but San Francisco, you know, they put the clamps down a little bit. That would have been pretty concerning to go down 14 to, to 7, but they were able to hold them to a field goal, a, a short field goal. So Raiders go up 10 to 7. Um, and then the 49ers for their second drive, you'll notice that a lot of these drives were very long. The 49ers didn't get the ball for the second time until there was a minute and 45 seconds left, Yeah, you know, in the, in the first quarter. But again, they put together a nice drive, 13 plays and 75 yards. Um, They did get the benefit of two defensive pass interferences, sort of back-to-back, to to get them across midfield. Um, Aaron Banks was hurt during this drive, which was concerning. He was clutching at his knee, and he's played so well this year. But the 49ers managed to be really methodical in that drive with some touches for uh, McCaffrey, Juice, and Kittle um, that set up um, a two-yard touchdown to George Kittle. Kind of an interesting-looking play where Purdy kind of spun out, you know, feeling pressure that may or may not have been there, and he managed to float the ball we mentioned in the intro, a game of inches just barely above um, some Raider fingertips to put the 49ers ahead 14 to 10. And that play wasn't designed for Kittle. He said after the game, actually, he was kind of supposed to just be a distraction to open it up for Iuke. Uh, But it's really great to see Purdy and Kittle's connection just as strong as anyone ever has. You talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and how much he loves throwing to Kittle. Um, Kittle obviously has been a staunch supporter of Garoppolo from day one. Mm -hmm. Um, but, I mean, he certainly can't be complaining about the number of uh, receptions and certainly the red zone red zone targets as well. He loves pancaking guys, but we know he does love catching touchdowns as well. So Brock Purdy extends his consecutive streak of two-plus touchdown passes per game. Uh, really, really impressive stuff. Even when Jimmy was playing lights out, he would have a lot of games where he didn't have two touchdowns plus because those are going to your running backs. You've got those strong running uh, running attacks. A lot of times the defense is even scoring as well. So really, really impressive uh, what Purdy has been able to do this season. And certainly in a game like this where there was a lot of adversity, a lot of back and forth, he has never played in a game like this before. This did not feel like a game the 49ers were going to win. It just felt like one of those icky sort of games where you have this sick feeling in your stomach the whole time, like we're going to find a way to lose this and choke you know, at the end of the game. But uh, fortunately, that's not what happened, but not for a lack of trying, as yeah. we will get into later. The ensuing kickoff was another touchback from Robbie Gold. The Raiders get the ball with nine minutes and 38 seconds left in that second quarter, and Josh Jacobs returned for them. But Darren Waller beat D'Amador Lenore for a 25-yard catch, and he was a menace this whole game. You can see why he's been one of the best tight ends in the league for the last few years. And then the play right after that, um, Lenore is called for a holding. <laughs> it's a so, brutal drive. Yeah, not not a good look. And then Stidham also was surprisingly mobile in the pocket. He had two different scrambles in that drive, one for 11 yards and then one for nine. And the 49ers struggles against mobile quarterbacks are well documented. I don't think of Stidham as as a burner, but he was just elusive enough in the pocket, and we just did not seem to be prepared for that. But with those gains, they got down inside you know the goal line area, 
and fourth and goal from the two, they decide to go for it to, to try to, <laughs> yeah, that's a very play. aggressive call. I mean, if I was a Raiders fan, I kind of like that because you know, you're not going to have that many opportunities or at least <laughs> you would expect to not have that many opportunities against the 49ers defense. So I did kind of like the call there. Um, you know, when points are going to be at a premium though, it's it's definitely a high risk high reward kind of a situation. Yeah, cool thing there for the Niners is once again another fantastic goal line stand. They stuff him. A lot of credit to Javon Kinlaw for getting some push, but really the one who who made that play was Eric Armstead. He shoved off Colton Miller, which is not a an easy thing to do. One of the best tackles in football, and then took on I the, think fullback. It was the fullback. Yeah, so yeah, he basically just said get off me, and then to two different guys, and then stops um stops the running back for a one yard loss incidentally obviously a fourth down turnover on downs is a huge stop to make it's even more impressive when you do it on the goal line and you save six points in addition to that this this was the only tackle for loss the 49ers had in the game can you even believe that yeah this is the number one ranked running defense in the nfl and it's not even close so Credit to the Raiders and specifically Josh Jacobs working through a hip injury. Absolutely unbelievable that they had the kind of success that they did. Um, Josh Jacobs didn't have like a gaudy stat line by any means. 17 carries for 69 yards. That's just a 4.1 yards per attempt, which is, you know, it's fine. It's not great. Um, he did, uh, of course, have a touchdown later, but... When you're watching the game, he looked so impressive. I sure. think he he looked as impressive as any running back that we've seen against the 49ers this year. Nick Bosa said that afterwards, too, that he thought he was the best running back they'd played. And, yeah, you just don't see running backs dragging 49ers players down the field. He was elusive. He was shifty. He was picking up yards that were not there. Um, typically when you see a 49ers defender, whether it's a cornerback or a linebacker, as soon as they make contact, the player goes down immediately. This is a supremely talented tackling football team. And again, 69 yards is nothing crazy, but that, that has to be one of the most impressive 69 yard performances. Shanahan always talks about how, you know, plays might be blocked for a certain number of yards. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we blocked it good enough to get three yards, but he got five. I don't know what the official stats are, but I would certainly say those plays were not necessarily blocked for 69 yards, but he fought for every single one of them. So hats off to him. What a what a weapon for Stidham to have as well, to, to be able to actually keep the chains moving on the ground. No team has been able to do that. Yep. Um, and I think that was a huge reason why Stidham was – able to get into such a a rhythm in this game Shanahan was asked about that as well and he mentioned just the lanes that he had to run through they weren't getting enough pressure on him he looked way too comfortable and that absolutely showed Stidham actually said um, after the game he said I didn't feel like I had really any nerves at all this week which is crazy right Mm -hmm. so he said perspective has changed a lot over the years it's not worth stressing over and getting all uptight. So I wanted to go out there and play free today and tried to facilitate the offense in a way to win. We just fell short a little bit. So you could absolutely see that and feel that. He looked completely comfortable, which is no small feat against the 49ers defense. Yeah. So just a huge momentum swing there for the 49ers to finally get a stop, even if it was on the one-yard line. You might think with our history of quarterbacks running out of the back of the end zone this year, that Purdy might have been a little rattled to start that drive with four minutes and 29 seconds left, you know, deep, deep in your own territory on, on the, on the one or two yard line. But really it was more Trent Williams who got rattled. He had a false start (laughs) half the distance to the goal. And then two plays later, a holding, you know, just not, not great for the, for the 49ers. That's, that's only their third drive remember in the first half and you're having to to immediately punt it back to the Raiders Wishnowski almost had it blocked and he did not punt the ball well on that either it was only a 37 yarder so it's fair caught at the San Francisco 44 you know yeah and (laughs) Purdy's passing numbers in the first half were crazy he had like 38 yards and two touchdowns or something seven for 10 for 38 yards and two touchdowns but again he had three drives yeah they barely had the ball in the first half crazy yeah so Las Vegas with two minutes and 33 seconds left. Uh, Jacobs had a run for four, a catch for seven, a run for five. And then Renfro, he's one of the sort of subtle Wes Welker type, 
you know, wide yeah. receivers. Cole Beasley. Where, yeah, good good route running, especially on whip routes and things like that. He beat Jimmy Ward, whose name was not mentioned much on this day, but he beat him for 12 yards to get to the San Francisco 16. And then with 15 seconds left, Devontae Adams catches just an absurd touchdown in the back left corner of the end zone. Mooney Ward, a good effort, might have missed time as jump just a tad but just absolutely crazy that Adams was able to get both hands on the ball drag you know his second foot and the Raiders with hardly any time left on the clock go up 17 to 14 Purdy kneels once and it's halftime and you're thinking how how are we we're losing 17 (laughs) to 14 to the Raiders Uh, we mentioned Purdy's stat line McCaffrey was running well it wasn't like it was a bad decision giving him the ball a lot. He was 12 rushes for 79 yards, a 6.6 yard average. You know, Kittle and Ayuk both had touchdowns, but there was only one punt between either team at halftime. And you mentioned Stidham's line at the half. He was 11 for 14 for 145 yards and a 10.4 average. He also had five rushes for 31 yards, and some of those were backbreakers. And I think more significantly, the Raiders as a team you know, because Bolden had a couple nice runs at halftime. They had 19 rushes for 100 yards or 101 yards. They had already cracked the 100-yard mark at halftime. So that was just not something anyone would have predicted coming into this game. So the 49ers being down at the half is definitely unusual, certainly in the last eight or nine weeks. But one thing the 49ers have really been exceptional at is their halftime adjustments, offensively, but especially defensively. They had that streak where it was like three or four games in a row with no points allowed in the second half. We've seen this against big-time teams, big-time talent, where D'Amico makes the adjustments and they just shut down A-list household name guys. So you're thinking, okay, well, it's Jarrett Sidham, right? Surely at some point he's going to have to come back down to earth and the offense is probably going to come out guns blazing and all kinds of creativity, right? Uh, not so much. Yeah, not great. A three and out, actually, to start the second half for the 49ers. McCaffrey had a four-yard run, and then they targeted him, but it was incomplete. And then they go super conservative and throw it short to him for a one-yard loss. And he gets blown up on the play. Yeah. So that was definitely (laughs) a head-scratching way to come out the second half. No creativity. And again, just running McCaffrey essentially into the ground. And Grant Cohn again. This offense is too Christian McCaffrey-centric, which if we, at the end, when we go over his final stat line, I think it's justifiable why he gets the ball so much, but really not what you wanted to see for that opening drive. Wishnowski finally did get a good punt there. Uh, it was a 56-yarder to the Las Vegas 15. And now it's time for the defense to step up. Yeah. Well, you talk about momentum swings and games of inches and things like that. The Raiders started their drive with an aborted snap, and Stidham was very fortunate to be able to fall on that Um, and then on third and 11 they run a screen to Renfro and this play this play should be you know well short of the first down you know they're they had it covered for sure he was he was not getting a first down had it covered but Fred Warner with probably one of the worst face masks I've ever seen flips Renfro's body around goes flying yeah it wasn't intentional obviously he's just trying to get a hand on him and slow him down but it looked it was almost like the helicopter like the Elway helicopter thing like he grabbed his face mask yeah and Renfro did like a 180 spin in the air it was really uh wild to see that and it was a super late flag yeah, too which which we knew if you were watching the game it's like a football player's body would not have gone like that unless their head had been completely jerked around yeah it was so egregious that Renfro didn't like jump up and start making that face mask you know, penalty motion that people make when they're trying to alert the refs, like, Hey, there was a face mask. He just got up and went back to the line. And then he starts looking around like, Oh, did you not call that? Yeah. Like (laughs) Like, what, what is happening right now? Did you guys not see that? Yeah. So for the 49ers to not recover that aborted snap and then for Warner to commit that penalty really, really, really hurts because three plays later, Stidham escapes out to the edge near the sideline and the 49ers are in zone defense And Devontae Adams just sneaks out and ends up going all the way 60 yards for a touchdown. Warner was credited as the closest man, but it wasn't... It It wasn't really anybody, yeah. Yeah, it was just a broken play where where they were not expecting to be in coverage that long. That's not the guy that you want to lose track of. So at that point, the Raiders go up 24-14, to and now we get to find out the question that everyone has been wondering, how will Brock Purdy do? Not when they're ahead, not when everything is going great. How will he do on the road down by 10 points? Yeah. And, And we got to find out. So um, Purdy did answer with an eight-play, 75-yard drive. Uh, McCaffrey did get five touches, but <laughs> but they were all good. Uh, there was a bogus holding 
on George Kittle where, you know, the guy basically just kind of fell over and they threw out the flag and he was incredulous. He was yelling. Shanahan was yelling quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's terrible. The 49ers were, were heavily, heavily penalized in this game. And, you know, some of them obviously were legitimate. Like, you know, Trent Williams, his false start was pretty obvious. He's blocking five yards downfield while everyone's still at the line. And then his holding call, uh, same kind of a deal, like a really, really egregious hold when it's the closest defender to the ball carrier. So they're going to call that every time. Uh, but the 49ers were penalized very heavily in this one, nine for 71. Oof. And that uh, that's not a winning recipe on the road. Uh, it's not a winning recipe at home either. Uh, just a, a tough game where they did not play the sort of sound uh, defense that we're used to seeing. Yeah. First and 20 is not ideal, but Purdy immediately hit Juwan Jennings for an 18-yarder that, that really <laughs> helped kind of negate that penalty. And then Brandon Ayuk had a really cool reverse for 16 where Kyle Juszczyk is in motion in the backfield. The play starts. He sort of pretends that he's falling down and then goes in the opposite direction. It was nice to see some of that classic sort of Shanahan creativity. And I will say on this drive too, McGlinchey has been much maligned sort of on this podcast and on Twitter and basically anywhere offensive linemen are talked about. Yep. But he had a lot of one-on-ones on Max Crosby in this uh, game and really held his own. There was one really bad one where he just kind of like whiffed. I don't know if he thought that Burford, I don't know. I'm not sure. It may have been on Burford, but it was one of those really terrible ones that you hate to see where Crosby is essentially unblocked. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of that, McGlinchey really had a pretty good game against Crosby Uh, gave Purdy just enough time to pick up some of those big throws. I know one of the throws to Jawan Jennings, um, Crosby had a really strong rush that McGlinchey picked up, so props to him for that. Yep, McCaffrey punches it in for the 14-yard touchdown to get the 49ers back within three, which is huge. So 21-24 to at that point. The Raiders get the ball with five minutes and 22 seconds left in the third. And finally, we force a three and out where Lenore had some good coverage um, on Devontae Adams um, and Josh Jacobs was kind of stuffed, you know. And then one kind of unfortunate thing here is that Dre Greenlaw was hurt. There was a, a, I think it was third and 11 and Devontae Adams managed to get 10 yards on the play, but it was kind of a gang tackle and sort of a hurt your own kind of thing where someone comes crashing into Greenlaw. I think it was Warner. I'm pretty sure it was Warner who had a pretty, pretty rough game in this one. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. I thought it might've been a groin because it was one of those where his leg kind of got bent back kind of funny, but you know, either way it's a punt to the San Francisco's. 14 yard line um, and another fair catch and then the 49ers with four minutes and two seconds left they they start going to Brandon Ayuk really from this point in the game you started to see a lot more of that yeah. um, but Ayuk for 13 and McCaffrey had a, a play for 20 that was negated by a Spencer Burford penalty he just went way too far downfield it was a kind of a slower developing screen so just kind of a, you know, a rookie mistake. You know, he's got to go more. The, the commentators were mentioning he needs to be more horizontal there and wait until McCaffrey gets the ball yep. before going upfield. But um, a 28-yarder to Jennings gets the ball to midfield. And then Purdy decides to take a deep shot. And it's a play design we've seen a lot where the QB sort of rolls out to the left and then Kittle kind of fakes like he's running a post that way, but then then heads to the opposite corner. And Purdy admitted after the game he didn't see the defender on the far side of the field, which is why he didn't lead Kittle enough, but criticisms of the arm strength starting to come out. <laughs> yeah, that ball was severely, severely underthrown. And I guess the one argument to make for an underthrown ball is that at least you give your receiver a chance. One of the things that... 49ers fans are sick of seeing is overthrown deep shots Um, that's definitely been an issue for Jimmy he tends to kind of just sort of airmail those deep shots on those um, shot plays so again the ball's underthrown Kittle made a play for it you'd like to see him try and you know knock that down if nothing else Um, but also so Purdy doesn't want to overthrow it right when he's got the guy completely wide open he doesn't want to overthrow it but you do need to lead him a little bit that was a really bad throw whether he saw the cornerback or not that was an unacceptably thrown ball fortunately it was caught at the 18 yard line so it wasn't like it flipped field position yeah for the think Raiders of it or, as like or, a, a bad yeah, punt almost, almost like a punt or a drive that stalled which we've seen plenty of but the Raiders get the ball with two minutes and 24 seconds left in the third 
Waller had a nice gain again of 24 before the quarter came to an end. And then on second and 10 from the San Francisco 46, you know, the Raiders are driving once again. And Kerry Hyder, who's missed some time lately, he managed to get some good pressure and he tipped the ball batted the ball up in the air and everyone's just you're waiting and waiting waiting. yeah he couldn't really find it he was spinning around trying to desperately locate the ball it kind of hit him like off the shoulder pad and the face mask Um, it would have made it to his hands eventually but yeah he he definitely couldn't find the ball and it goes right into the arms of Drake Jackson who had sort of a classic moment on the bench reenacting yeah reenacting the moment where he's basically got his hands out and he's just there in slow motion just waiting and waiting and waiting for the ball to come down. And then when the ball, this imaginary ball that he's you know, telling, telling his teammates about, finally pops into his hands and he looks up like a kid opening a Christmas present on Christmas morning. Yeah. Game of inches, too. He would not have caught that had he not been shoved by a Raiders offensive lineman right before the ball was tipped. He was shoved back three or four feet and ended up being in perfect position. It was interesting, too, to see his dad, I guess, is a diehard Raiders fan. It was in <laughs> He was in a Drake Jackson 49ers jersey, but with all kind of Raiders, like hats and paraphernalia, and everyone around him was so confused because he was, like, celebrating, running up and down their aisle. They're like, well, aren't you, are you a Raiders fan? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, but that's my son. My son just got the interception. So uh, the next drive started with something that I have been clamoring for the entire season. Do you remember what it was? Uh, would that be uh, Danny Gray actually running the ball? Is that what that one was? Yes, a Danny Gray end around. He seems to not be able to find the ball in the air, but with his 4-3 speed, I have been begging for him to at least get some kind of jet sweeper end around, and he did get one. He got nine yards, failed to extend the ball. He tried, but failed to, to pick up the first down. But hey, at least we got to see that. Yeah, Taylor positive made. play, and if Debo's not there, I mean, you know, you've got these guys in there for a reason, so give him a chance, see what yeah. he's got. After that, Purdy took another deep shot that was just a little bit underthrown, and Juwan Jennings couldn't haul it in. He did get both hands on the ball, but ultimately it falls incomplete. And then on third down, another deep shot to Kittle down near the goal line, but either a miscommunication or just a really bad throw. Yeah, Kittle got completely turned around. Purdy was, it looked like Purdy was kind of like mouthing like George or like, come on, George. So, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, obviously. You know, any everyone is pretty quick to point fingers somewhere else. So, you know, he was obviously expecting George to run some kind of a different route, but not sure uh, who that was on. Typically, it's it's the quarterback. Um, but again, just a not an ideal uh, way to sort of end the drive there. Yeah, at least they settle for a field goal to tie it. So, you know, they erase that ten point deficit. And then the Raiders get the ball with 12 minutes and 34 seconds left in the fourth. Stidham, they had him dead to rights where two different 49ers defenders almost sacked him and somehow he snuck out and heaved the ball. It was almost like the play with Carson Wentz last week where somehow he got the ball out to Ryan Hollins for a first down to the Raiders 37. But after that, the drive stalled. And and we did dial up more pressure. We were, we were hitting hitting Stidham a little bit more. Yeah, remarkably, um, Stidham was not sacked in this game, which it's been a long time since the 49ers did not have a sack in a game. He was hit nine times, though, and, and hit pretty hard a couple of times. Yeah, as I said, the drive stalled, and Tavarius Moore almost blocked the punt yeah, from close. the Raiders there, so it ended up only going for 29 yards to San Francisco's 35, and now you're starting to feel the momentum turn. You know, we've erased the 10-point deficit. Um, we're starting from our own 35. So with nine minutes and 42 seconds left, Ray Ray takes a screen <laughs> um, for 42 yards down to the Las Vegas 23, which just is, is such a great feeling. Ayuk had a, a first down and then a bit of a drop um, and on third down incomplete to Kittle again. Fourth and four from the Raiders six. We decide to kick the field goal. I assume you had no issue with that call. I mean, I know you want to be aggressive, but it, it's hard to imagine the 49ers on, you know, from from the six yard line, you know, going for it there instead of kicking the field goal. Yeah, with a game like this where the 49ers defense somehow had no answers for Jarrett Stidham. So again, you kind of have to take the points there because Robbie Gold, as we know, never misses. No, never. never. (laughs) (laughs) The Raiders get the ball with six minutes and 44 seconds left. And their second tight end, Foster Moreau, had a couple nice catches on this drive, including just a a crazy 21-yarder over Oren Burks where it was sort of a contested catch. And then he had another for... 14 down to uh, the San Francisco 39 yard line. They got maybe a little tight there. They had a a false start and an incompletion on third and 10. Um, So then fourth and 10 from the 39 yard line, they trot out Daniel Carlson to attempt a 57 yarder and 
it would have been good from probably 64. He just absolutely drilled it to tie the game at 27 all. Just incredible. Yeah, I think it's Sunday Night Football that has that graphic where it always shows you like would have been good from. And I didn't see the sports science or the sport track or whatever it was. But yeah, that was a really, really impressive uh, kick there. Certainly under a lot of pressure as well. Yep. And Gibson almost had an interception actually on that third down. And it also certainly seemed to be that there was plenty of holding as well with 49ers defensive linemen being kind of dragged to the ground, but no flags and give Carlson credit for making a, a clutch field goal there. So 49ers get the ball back with four minutes and eight seconds left. Uh, there's a touchback, of course, to start the drive. And then Purdy on first down threw the ball away, which is something he's done as much in his five starts as Jimmy Garoppolo had all year. It's sort of an underrated part of our offense right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, of course, but that really speaks to his level of escapability in the pocket where you have these plays where Jimmy is taking a sack for sure and Purdy is able to escape, get out of the pocket, and then basically make those throwaways. And that's huge when you're talking about you know second down and 10 instead of second down and 18. Um, these are the kinds of plays, those sacks that can end drives. And this is why I think a big reason of why the 49ers have been so efficient and scoring so many points is because they're avoiding a lot of those plays. Yep. Purdy hits Ayuk for 23, and then on second and 10 from the San Francisco 48-yard line, the Raiders send six on a blitz, but Shanahan had the perfect play dialed up for it. It's a screen to McCaffrey, and all he does is take it 38 yards to the Raiders' 14-yard line, just trucking defenders in the process. And the all-22 is a really cool sort of thing on, on this as well, the angle of it. You can see that McCaffrey, he could have tried to just – get it and immediately run to the outside but he waited Which most players would do because he, there was a lot of space there a lot of space but he waits for Brunskill to get out and Brunskill manages to throw just enough of a block to send McCaffrey sprawling down the field and you don't you really really don't see running backs with that much patience because I think the tendency is everyone is trained to get up the field get up the field yep. and it's really hard to wait when you've got the ball in your hands and that much open field and just one defender, but it was a brilliant move waiting for the offensive lineman. And then as soon as the offensive lineman is about to engage the block, McCaffrey jukes to the outside like he's gonna gonna try and use that block and then immediately cuts it right back to the inside. Phenomenal play. Um, boy, we are really, really lucky and glad to have McCaffrey, even for the number of games that we've had him so far. I think you'd have to say it's a, a, been a successful yeah, trade. Without giving up a first-round pick. It's amazing. Someone else pointed out, too, that he got his head around so fast on that. He knew it was going to be a blitz. A lot of times, if the running back doesn't turn their head around, the quarterback won't you know, we'll just throw it into the dirt or we'll yep. throw it away. At his feet but or whatever. he got his head around immediately and almost backpedaled to make sure that Purdy knew, like, it's okay, throw it, throw yep. it, throw it. And then the next play is a 14-yard touchdown to J.P. Mason. Right before it happened, I turned to you. I was like, Mariano Rivera, Mariano Rivera. Because he, you know, <laughs> The we, closer. Yeah, the closer. And he was so happy. I don't know if I've ever seen a player happier to have their first career touchdown. And I was so happy for him, too. You know, he's got his Chloe glove. You all probably know the story behind that, too. But, yeah, he was just, like, freaking out, like, just giddy. You could hear it over the broadcast as well. The and the whole team is so excited for him, too. So just an awesome, awesome moment in a really awesome game. So 49ers go up 34 to 27 there with two minutes and 17 seconds left. And all they have to do is contain this vaunted Jarrett Stidham Raiders yeah, offense. You, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Yeah, but apparently that was a lot to ask. They start the drive with a 21-yarder to Hollins. And then there was a holding penalty on uh, Dylan Parham, a rookie guard who actually kind of thought we should have drafted. But, you know, fortunately he <laughs> made a mistake here. It backed Las Vegas up to the 36. But then Devontae Adams had what is probably the catch of the year, and, and, and there have been some great ones, but a 45-yard bomb down the field where Lenore looks like he's in prime position to intercept it. Adams just reaches out one hand almost as if to, to just try to get a finger on it or deflect it and instead manages to pin it to his body. I don't think either of his hands is really touching the ball, but because it doesn't really move under him, they can't reverse it or rule that it's not a catch I was yeah I was just stunned Devontae Adams is one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL absolutely I think there's a really strong argument to make that he's the number one receiver in the NFL finished this game with seven catches for 153 yards and those two touchdowns this play wasn't as 
sort of eye popping or eye catching as like that famous Odell Beckham one handed catch or something like that. But in terms of the degree of difficulty and the likelihood of actually coming down with that, it was a crazy, crazy catch that he was able to basically take it away from Lenore one handed catch it, bring it in, get his hand underneath, no ball movement. The most frustrating part about that too is because of the down and, and yardage, both of the cornerbacks are like 10 yards off of their receivers. Yeah. How is it possible? How could the coverage be that bad? Or was that just a dumb throw from Stidham? Like, what are you thinking even throwing that? It was wildly underthrown. As you said, both Adams and Lenore are both kind of just jogging, waiting for it to come down. You'd really like to see a more aggressive play on the ball there from Lenore and you got to just, what can you do? You got to tip your cap to Devonte Adams, unreal catch, but so frustrating as a defense. How do you let that happen? Should and, never happen. And it got them all the way down to the 19 yard line. And then Fred Warner, who we've mentioned just did not play well in this game, gets a pass interference on Darren Waller where there was some contact certainly, but some, some veteran type play from Stidham too, to purposely throw the ball inside on the seam route knowing that Waller could just sort of pretend to fight back to the middle and claim that it was an I would have liked to have seen that as as a defensive hold because the contact did sort of occur, you know, before the throw, but it kind of continued throughout the throw. So, you know, I certainly can't fault the referees on that one. That was definitely not a good-looking play. Didn't get the head around. Just a, a really poor effort. Um, from Warner there. So you know the rules. I mean, defensive pass interference in the end zone puts the ball in the yep. one, and Jacobs punches it in. and we Untouched. Are untouched, yeah. And Which, again, you just don't see from this 49ers team. Like, yeah. you, you don't see our defensive line get pushed around like that. That was a walk-in touchdown. So the game is tied, 34-all. Brock Purdy. Just minute, as everyone predicted. A minute and 11 seconds left. What are you going to do? And on the first play, he almost threw an interception, <laughs> um, targeting Brandon Ayuk. But then it became the Brandon Ayuk drive. He hit him for twelve. He hit him for eighteen. He, he was hit changing him for his 11. routes, changing his routes on the fly too. Yep, really impressive. Uh, just going back to that uh, almost that that almost interception. That was a really great play by the defender, sort of knowing what the 49ers do. The 49ers do this a lot, where they will have a guy basically running like a go route, which is essentially clearing out for those long sort of over the middle or those long sort of post routes. And the defender uh, basically didn't go with that clear out. He kind of sat on the over route, and that's where it was almost intercepted. So, again, really um, terrifying throw. Looked really bad on the broadcast. So, you know, you talk about your blood pressure, right? That That's a, that's a rough one. Yeah. So less than a minute to go, right on the edge of field goal range around the 35-yard line. Shanahan dials up a, a play action boot, just a lot of trust in, in Purdy. We were talking about this. I said, you know, do you run or do you pass here? I was I was saying I think you can't afford to take a sack. Purdy doesn't get sacked very often, but I said I think you should just run it, you know, give gold a chance, you know, pick up a couple of yards, uh, just run the ball. And so they do a super aggressive play action and boy, the pressure was right there immediately. Yeah, Purdy tried to escape, you know, as as part of that bootleg, and and he puts the ball up. Now George Kittle, the the play worked. It you did. know, you know, Kittle was wide, wide open, open, and it would have been a, a walk in touchdown. But Purdy was not able to get it off cleanly. He got hit as he threw it, and the ball just is fluttering in the air, almost like with Drake Jackson. Fortunately. Yeah, it's like I, one of those wounded ducks where, again, the ball's in the air and you're like, oh, God. You oh, know. no, oh, no, no. Ayuk <laughs> um, does come down with it for a gain of 11. And at that point, the 49ers go ahead and take the timeout, you know, with two seconds left in the game. It's yep. a 41-yard attempt. You think Chip like, shot, well, field goal, let's let's go home. Yeah, we, we got lucky on that. That could have been an interception, but, you know, <laughs> got lucky. Let's go ahead and, and kick the field goal and, and go home. And Gold pushes it well right. Like, it, it probably wasn't even it, close. Like, Immediately, yeah, like, as soon as it's off his foot, you're, you, you know it's a miss. So, here we go. Into overtime, the Raiders win the toss. It's just crazy. And Jacobs, you know, starts the drive with a gain of nine and then a gain of six um, and then no gain. And then finally, Nick Bosa, who did have 10 pressures in this game, but 
but did not make the impact that that we're used to seeing. They did a good job of chipping him a lot, and mm-hmm. Colton Miller held up, you know, really well. But Bosa drove the tackle all the way back into Stidham's lap. You know, basically r- ran into him as he was trying to make the throw. It yeah, Stidham's arm basically stops at a straight vertical. He was not able to follow through on that throw at all. And once again, the ball just hangs in the air for what feels like an eternity before it falls into the hands of Gibson, who returns it all the way to the Las Vegas 7 for 56 yards. And I know that we had a bit of a debate, you know, at that point, did you want to see them try to bring in McCaffrey or Mason and run it in? They just took a knee in the middle to try to line it up for goal, which was probably the right call. But after he missed it, and we've had so many, like, blocked field goals or almost blocked field goals. That's my issue. I mean, gold, gold has not been as good as he's been in the years past, for sure. But, yeah, it seems like if you're watching the games, almost every single field goal is almost blocked. And that's terrifying to me, you know, to, to kick that on. what well, was second down, right? Yep. Like, so, yep. yeah, second down and you're, and you're kicking a field goal. I guess the argument for it is you have to realize that's a high 90 percentage, um, you know, points in terms of a successful rate from that, from that distance. So, you know, you, again, you take the points, you walk off, you go home. Maybe... They know that they're going to need gold down the stretch. Not that he's somebody that you worry about psychologically, but we know how much of a mental game this is for kickers. So, you know, maybe the strategy there is give him an easy one to walk off. He still wins the game for us and, you know, sort of gets that stink off of him, any of that bad juju from the the 41-yard push. Um, But, yeah, I kind of would like to have seen a a running attempt there personally. But... You know, they go to him, they give him the opportunity for redemption, and he makes it. It's a 23-yarder, so right down the middle. And the 49ers win 37-34. to 34. They In overtime, it. yeah. So when the Raiders won, so you talk about a bad game for Fred Warner, right? So <laughs> he also called tails um, for overtime. So if you want to add that to the list oh, yeah. of, of bad decisions or, or, you know, unfortunate events, he's the one calling the coin toss. And when the Raiders get the ball first, you realize how few times in this game the 49ers defense has had any answer for Stidham or Jacobs or Devontae Adams so you know coming off the heels of Robbie Gold pushing that field goal attempt you're like oh are we seriously going to lose this game really it this this game just felt kind of bad all the way through sure but the 49ers ultimately do come away with the win Brock Purdy stays composed this was a huge game, I think, to just have mentally for him. He knows, hey, we were down 10-plus in the second half, came back, never gave up. On the road. On the road. Um, the one nice thing is this was a, a very strong showing, once again, from the 49ers faithful. Um, they, they estimated it was something like 60% of the tickets were in favor of the 49ers, but it certainly felt and sounded like a lot more than that. Um, a lot of the players commenting on, again, how it just kind of felt like a, a glorified home game, even though they were on the road. So that's always helpful. But really great to see the 49ers come through that much adversity, play a piss-poor game defensively, yep. and still come out with a win. So A good warm-up for the playoffs, too, a bit of a reality check. You know, We've been beating up on some of these third-string quarterbacks and some of these non-playoff teams or, or playoff fringe playoff teams like Seattle or Washington, Washington. That, that are not elite offensively. And it's a good reminder that we need to to tighten up a little yep. bit because we're going to get lit up by the Joe Burrows of the world in the playoffs if we just expect everyone to come in and do a bunch of checkdowns against us. You know, we need to be ready for these deep shots, these taller wide receivers, these elite yeah. players. And as good as the 49ers defense is, again, we mentioned they're first in the run, but 16th um, in passing. So this team can be had through the air um, ever since uh, Emmanuel Mosley went down. Lenore has stepped in and done okay, but he had another really bad game. Huff had a kind of a bad game in the secondary. I'm wondering, are we going to start seeing some more of Samuel Womack, or are they completely committed to Lenore at this point? I'm not really sure, but... Janoris Jenkins was mentioned as well as someone, you know, a veteran with some experience. And you've got Ambry Thomas, but he's got to be pretty far down on the list at this point of of guys to, to likely see game action. So it'll be really interesting to see that the 49ers do need to find a way uh, to tighten up in the pass game because as they go through the playoffs and if they are lucky enough uh, to end up playing an AFC team, you're likely going to be going up against 
Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes, right? Yeah. So um, all of those guys can slice and dice uh, a defense that is not ready for them. Coming out of it, we were fortunate to avoid any major injuries. Aaron Banks, they're reporting that it's a knee and ankle sprain, but that he may be able to return in time for the playoffs. Greenlaw, they're hoping that he'll be able to return this week. And then Debo and Elijah Mitchell are both expected to be able to return as early as this week if if we should so decide. Um, and did they say McCaffrey had like a little bit of an ankle or something as yeah, well? Yeah, a little bit. You know, he did kind of carry us again in this game. You talk about, you know, six catches for 72 yards and 19 carries for 121 and a 6.4 average. So... I would definitely want us to go all out and try to win next week and make sure that we're giving ourselves a chance at that number one seed, but it would not break my heart if McCaffrey touches the ball, you know, 15 times or less. Yeah. I mean, can we see what Jordan Mason can do with 12 carries or maybe even 15 carries? I sure would love to see that. Yeah. No, and no reason to rush Elijah Mitchell back too. I think you want both McCaffrey and Mitchell fresh for the first round of the playoffs. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. The Eagles again, you know, they play the Giants. They they could end up losing. I was hoping that they would play at one o'clock so that we would know one way or another when our game started, whether we should really be going for it or not. But the schedule maker said, no, that, that game's going to happen at the same time <laughs> as ours. So there's going to be a lot Some of scoreboard, watching, scoreboard sure. watching and then Detroit and Green Bay that was flexed into Sunday night. So we, we will not have a full playoff bracket decided likely. It's Until. crazy. The Packers have been so bad all year. <laughs> They've been so bad. And now, you know, Ron Rivera for the commanders in his post-game press conference seemed like completely unaware that they could be eliminated, uh, which was not a great look. Um, yeah. Also, the 49ers keep that streak alive of teams play the 49ers and then lose the following week. So the 49ers, you know, by proxy sort of keep that that streak alive. And, you know, that that is going to be a great game. Green Bay and the Lions, who <laughs> yeah. a couple of years ago, whoever would have thought sure. that you could have a pivotal, um, you know, playoffs deciding matchup in the final week with the Packers and the Lions. That that uh, is is crazy to even think about. Just kind of another sort of random stat from the Lions. Um, you know, their first round draft pick, Aiden Hutchinson, has three interceptions now as a defensive lineman. That's pretty wild. Um, I believe that tied an NFL record for interceptions in a season by a defensive lineman. And to do that as a rookie, um, you know, and Jamal Williams, I think, has like 5,000 rushing touchdowns this year. So yeah. the Lions definitely playing with a lot of fight, a lot of heart under their head coach, Dan Campbell. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, is is Aaron Rodgers going to be high waskud up? You know, is is it going to be a beatdown? <laughs> the Lions have beat a lot of teams really handily. They've also lost really badly to a lot of teams, just really uneven. I love their identity as a team, too, because they could be eliminated with a Seattle win, but could still have plenty to play for, knowing that if they can manage to hold on and win and make the Packers oh, lose, yeah. then stick then it to the Packers. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a victory. That is absolutely a, a victory. A, a much hated division rival. So, either way, it's going to be interesting. We'll still be keeping our eye on that 49ers game, though, against Arizona, you don't take anything for granted. and, and we Certainly love, not after the Stidham week. Yeah, yeah would love to finish 13-4 and four and, and give ourselves a, a chance at that number one seed. So we'll, we'll be here for it. That's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter for more 49ers content. We'll see you next week. We are the Niners Bros.